Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You're listening to the Wellness Her Way podcast. I'm your host, Gracie Norton, and I'm so excited to provide you with a space where you get to shape what wellness feels like to you. Wellness Her Way is where we make a home of our body, mind, and soul instead of jumping on trends for short-term results. We've got one body. We're going to nourish it, love it, respect it, and embrace it through all its forms. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Wellness Her Way. Today, we're chatting with Tamson Fidel. You guys, Tamson is one of the most inspiring women that I have ever met. She's an Emmy award-winning TV journalist as she's been reporting for over 30 years, and she's also a podcast host. She uses her platform to share stories and advice about menopause, relationships, and career shifts. We talk all about self-love. We cover hormone health, dating, and how to navigate transitions in life. I absolutely adore her, and I know you guys are going to as well. This was such an impactful conversation, so I am very excited that you're tuning in. Let's get into it. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because one of your videos came across my For You page, and it was your 52 lessons that I've learned in 52 years. I loved everything that you had to share in that video, and you just have this this energy that exudes confidence, so much self-love, and I was immediately drawn to you. Then I went to your page, and I saw that you have so much insight about dating, life advice, hormone health, and you also help women navigate the changes through menopause. So you've been on camera for almost 30 years after being a journalist and a reporter, which Mm -hmm. is so amazing. And this is a career that requires a lot of confidence. So this is where I kind of want to start the conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, it's so so important to have it and build it. And, you know, it, it comes from time. You know, it comes from time with yourself. And I think that that's something we don't always give ourselves when we're younger, right? And I think that sometimes we think we need a partner in order to feel better about ourselves. But I think confidence got built over time. It, got, it, it gets built through mistakes too, right? And, and those hardships. And I feel like in some of the more difficult times have really built me into, you know, what I feel good about. And I feel like confidence is is so important. It's so important in terms of self-love. It's important uh, where you're going to go in your next relationship, in your job. And I think people feel that, you know, they feel that and you're drawn to people that all have that same kind of self-confidence. Do you feel like it's something that came naturally to you or do you think it's something that had to be learned over time? It definitely had to be learned over time. There's no question. I, I 
promise I was, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't come out like this. Uh, it, t- it took time, you know, and it took hits too. My right. confidence has taken hits over the years. It took hits with my divorce. It took hits with different transitions. When I went through menopause, it took hits. So I think over time, uh, I just learned you know, what was important to me. I learned what made me feel good about myself. I learned uh, what gave me joy. And then I learned what didn't work. You know, I learned how to create some boundaries to make sure that I didn't keep taking knocks to my self-confidence because that's not a good thing as you keep getting older. And on those days that you said maybe your confidence dipped, what are the things that you do when you're not feeling confident that make you feel a little bit better? Yeah. You know, I I get a little quiet with myself because I Mm -hmm. think that that's important. And I go back to what makes me happy. We spend a lot of time giving our our energy away, right? And and talking to other people and seeing, you know, what what's going on in their lives and and going from thing to thing to thing and our to-do list. And I think I needed some time to myself, especially it was true uh, when the end of a relationship and perhaps the beginning of another, I needed to figure out what what was important to Tamsin. What, What did I think grew me and made me feel whole. So I always get a little quiet during that time to build my self-confidence. And then the other thing I do is things that I know I can be successful at, right? Mm -hmm. I know I can successfully accomplish a task. I know if I go out for a walk, I'm going to feel a little bit better. I know if I'm going to spend an hour just with some self-care, that builds confidence. And it sounds silly, but it really works. It does. And I think it takes some practice to figure out what those things are that brings you that peace. But once you find them, and you know those activities, it's so much easier to incorporate them. And you feel so much better afterwards. So much better. So much better. And you teach that. You teach that every single day. And it's such an important lesson. It really is. I feel like society, though, can shame us if we're spending a lot of time alone or if we're doing things by ourselves. And I know we had this conversation the other day where you had booked a table at a restaurant for a party of one. And I want you to talk about that experience a little bit, because I think a lot of self-love and spending this time alone and developing that confidence, you do need to spend time alone, figure out the things that make you happy. And the activities that you're doing by yourself can sometimes, you know, be looked at as, I don't know, you just feel that pressure from society that, you know, it's not normal to do things alone. So what's your advice when you are getting a table at a restaurant or maybe you are doing an activity by yourself? What do you recommend? Yeah, you you know, I think society in the past has always kind of made you feel like the the odd man out, right? Mm -hmm. If you're doing something by yourself and and you're talking about this story I had told and I had such overwhelming response on uh, on social when I posted this, but I had gone into a restaurant and I'd done this for a long time when I was going through my divorce. Gone in to eat by myself, and when I went up to the the, the hostess stand, and I said uh, one, and she said just one, and I said yeah, just one, and then she took me and she put me in the back of the restaurant on the like the other side of the restaurant was packed, and I went to this other table, this other like that table, you know, and I said like, I'm just I'm not comfortable. Like I was so I was so upset by it, and it brought me back to years ago when I would feel uncomfortable going out by myself, and I thought I'm not gonna allow myself to feel like this anymore, and I'm gonna bring it to their attention, and I did, and I left the restaurant because I was like I'm not I'm not gonna eat in a place, and, and I went to another one, and I felt wonderful. They brought me in one. Come on, you know, you're just like everybody else, and and I posted about that uh, because it really bothered me. You know, it bothered me because I know other people go through this and so many stories came out about that. But you have to feel good with yourself before you do anything else, before you get into a relationship. It's fine if you have a partner that completes another side of you. But the truth is you have got to complete yourself first. Exactly. And I think it's so important to date yourself and do Mm -hmm. the things that bring you joy 
and not wait on somebody to make you happy. But when you do find that person that adds to your happiness that you've already given yourself, that's when you know that you are truly fulfilled. It is. And I think that other people see that in you, right? Mm -hmm. And then those people are drawn to you. you. You want people in your life that appreciate that confidence that you have and appreciate you as a whole person and are, uh, don't want a half a person. You know, right. you, you really want somebody that feels drawn to that because that way you're not competing with the person and that way the person doesn't feel left out if you're going out and doing things on your own. And I think a good place to start and a foundation for that is obviously making sure that you truly love yourself. But for people who aren't, who don't know what that feels like, how would you explain that? How do you know when you have truly accepted yourself and when you love yourself and when you're ready for that next phase to add somebody into the picture? Yeah, it's a, well, you know, the first thing is, is feeling comfortable being alone. My father, he's 83 now, but he told me years ago, it's better to be alone than lonely with someone. And I never understood what that meant it's early so on. It's so impactful. Mm -hmm. And I, I repeated it to myself over the years when I was dating, uh, you know, after my divorce. And I thought, he's so right about that. Like, I don't ever feel lonely when I'm alone before I got married for a second time or, or even now. I never feel like that. And that's when I knew I was whole and I knew I was okay to be with somebody else because I think you've got to feel that. You've got to feel good. You've got to feel empowered. You've got to feel confident. All those things go together. Like you, you can't separate any of them. And I think you have to know what's important to you in life, you know, and that's where your value system and your boundaries come in. 100%. You went through a pretty public divorce. I know you've mentioned it a few times now. And I want to know if this kind of was a catalyst for a whole new era of getting to know a new version of yourself and falling in love with yourself in a different way. And I just want to know a little bit more about that experience. Yeah, uh, it was. It was a public divorce mm -hmm. and it was, and I didn't know it was a catalyst at the time. Obviously, okay. I, I just knew that I had to rebuild and I didn't know how to do it. And I, I wound up, you know, I was working at the time and I was, I was just feeling a lot of shame, a lot of shame wrapped around that, around the fact that I waited till I was a little older to get married, thinking that like, okay, I've made the right decision. I waited this long and I, I know it's the right decision. And then I felt shame in the fact we had a business together and that that failed as a result. So, you know, I went through this this really tough time of like not even knowing how to get out of bed. And and bit by bit, I went through these kind of 90-day increments of like, if I can do it in 90 days, I can do anything for a certain amount of time. And that's what I had to go through to kind of get to the other side and figure out who I was and figure out, one, what I was willing to accept for myself, and two, what I was willing or not willing to accept in a partner going forward, because that was a big deal. I didn't want to, a lot of people, you know, the the rate of divorce, especially in a, in a second marriage, goes up even more mm. than, than a, a first marriage. And I didn't want to be one of those statistics. And I thought, if I'm going to have a relationship again, I want to make sure that I know who I am before I get into it, because I definitely didn't know who I was in my first relationship. Did you feel like through that time period with your previous husband that you started to lose who you were a little bit? A hundred percent. I stopped doing things that were important to me. Okay. I stopped traveling. I stopped uh, spending time by myself. I stopped spending time with girlfriends. I stopped doing the self-care that was really important. And so I had to rebuild all that over those years. So I knew I needed time between relationships to really focus on myself. And I don't even think I called it self-care then. I just mm -hmm. knew that I needed that time to focus on who I wanted to be and what I was willing to accept. That's why I think it's so important to even when you're in a marriage or a relationship, never stop dating yourself yes. and never stop doing the things that truly bring you so yeah. much joy. Yeah, we so lose important. ourselves sometimes in relationships, yeah. right? And we, you know, we go into the other person's life and we just mm -hmm. become their life. And so I, I'm always so happy when I see people in relationships and they've got their parallel, you know, they're doing their thing and they come together and do their thing. So there should kind of be like three things going on in the relationship, each one of their individual lives and then the one together. And I think that that's where I see true relationships blossom and grow and grow in time. And they can grow together in different ways too. 
Yeah, it's just tough when it's a when it's a new relationship and you're so excited because you yeah. want to spend so much time with that person. I think it's just you have to draw that line to not merge your identity mm-hmm. with theirs and, yeah. and keep doing those things that bring you joy. Yeah, because yeah. it can get overwhelming, right? Yeah. You, you get into a new relationship and you're like, this is it. <laughs> right. And right. it's perfect. <laughs> right. Um, but, it, you know, I, I also think it's important that you, you hold you hold the line a little bit. And it doesn't, and it's not a reflection of the other person in any way, no. but it's a reflection of you on going forward. So I always say, look at, you know, you know you, you're in that uh, honeymoon phase, right? Right. But look at the relationships you have a year out from when they actually started. And, you, you know, everyone's a little more comfortable and you're doing your own thing. And I, mm-hmm. I always think like, try to think like that. What, what, do I want this to look like six months out, a year out, three years out, if I think this is a person that I'm going to be with and establish it that way. So you've, you kind of establish your boundaries and you've established who you want to be. And that's so important. And if you feel like that turns the other person away or turns the other person off, then you kind of have your answer of whether or not you're with that right person. That's so good to keep in mind because I think sometimes we can, we can think short term Mm -hmm. and you think how it feels in the moment and you don't think about the, the long term side of things. So it's really important to keep that in mind. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. As a leading functional medicine practitioner, I have had the unique position to see so many alchemize their pain and health problems to their purpose. Now I want the same for you. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers, where there is a fresh infusion of grace and lightness into wellness. This is the art of being well. Join me every Thursday for a new episode. This is a great segue because you were a matchmaker before 
dating apps were around, yes. correct? <laughs> yes. Okay. So it's I a see, long time ago. I see a lot of dating advice on social media and I'm like, this needs to be titled what not to do because yeah. it's like there's so much yeah. toxic advice out there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person is like telling people to go and do this. So yeah. I love all of your advice. Thank that you. was like another one of your videos Thank that came you. up on my page. So I want to know how you became a matchmaker. And I also want to know like what that criteria looks like when you're pairing two people up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it really was before you could just kind of Google somebody on social media and <laughs> right. get their whole profile right there. Yeah. So when when we started that business, we had moved to New York and my former partner was somebody who had been really social in the New York space for a long time. And I was sitting there one day and I'd been reading some stats about things and it was saying that there were 100,000 more single women than men in New York City. And so the odds oh were gosh. really, yeah, were really difficult for women. And I thought, this is terrible. Like what? And, and the article went on to say like a lot of uh, men were dating women who were a lot younger. And so like as you're, as a woman was aging, even if it was like in their 30s, like their chances would diminish as they got older. I remember this was like years ago, but I said, oh my gosh, this is like we have to help women. Like, this is unbelievable. And so we started a business and and it was really sitting down and the women were the clients and then interviewing men. So we had a database of, of good, reputable men in New York City that wanted a relationship that didn't just want to, you know, have this fly by night thing and meet somebody and then, you know, not right. call, which was the premise of that first book. Why hasn't he called? Because mm -hmm. we heard so many women talking about that. But the criteria were a couple of things. Our criteria were obviously whether or not they were looking for a real relationship and looking for a, a committed relationship. And men will be very honest with you about that if you're talking to them for this, because why would they even go through that interview process? They wouldn't even show right. up for that. You know, criteria was also, uh, you know, what they were looking for in a person if it was unrealistic expectations. Like sometimes the expectations are, there's some list that, you know, men and women and, and people, just people have in general of what they want in this perfect maid and whether or not they were going to do the work to go into it and go out and, you know, and be present. And so uh, it was, it was interesting because through the years, I, I learned a lot about just dating in general. You know, at, at that point I was with uh, my partner, but I learned a lot about women and the pressure that women had felt they had on them to find somebody. We had a lot of moms that came to us saying like, you've got to set my daughter up before she turns 35 or 40 because, you know, I want grandchildren. I mean, there was an enormous amount of unfair pressure on these, these timelines that, you know, were imposed by society or by family or by, you know, self-imposed timelines. So I always, I always had a lot of sympathy toward that, but it was a very interesting business, but it was, it was, you know, these are, these are people's hearts that you're dealing with and emotions. So you really have to take care with that because it's really important to always keep that in mind. You know, you can set somebody up, but you've got to actually think about that process of going there, meeting somebody. Somebody, getting ready. What I said years after that was to make sure when you're going to go out on that date, you're not putting everything into it like this is the one. You know, right. you're going out there and you're meeting that person and you see what happens. That's something that I've talked about on socials before because I think we can cast somebody in the role of a husband or a wife yes. before we even meet them. Yes. And it's like, whoa, yes. let's slow down. <laughs> let's show up. This person was a stranger probably a week ago. Right. Let's enjoy the interaction. Right. And then I think not having an attachment to the potential outcome of what may happen after the date. But it's the hardest thing. Is he going to call? So hard. Is he going to text? It's so What's hard. the next step? I think our minds want to put people that we're dating in a box. Yep. Do they like me? Do they not like me? Is yep. this the person I can end up with? Is this not the person I can end up with? So how do you keep yourself 
on that first date than from putting somebody in that box. Yeah, because nobody likes to live in a gray area, right? Nobody you want to know what that, that is. Yeah. It's funny. I'm actually texting with a, a, a friend of mine and she was sending me this big long, just before we came in here, this big long text okay. that a guy you know, got back to her and he was mm-hmm. very honest with her. She didn't like the answer, but he was mm-hmm. very honest. Like, we don't live close to each other. This is going to be difficult. And right. so I think that, you know, we should part as friend. I'm sorry for any inconvenience. I'm like, this guy's great. Like, <laughs> who, like who, who says that? Nobody says things like that. Can you get I, him on Amazon? I know. I was like, I was amazed. Put that in the cart. But but he was, it was really spectacular, right? But you're right. It's very, very difficult. And that's why I say, if you are dating, date, which means go out and meet people without those expectations. It's not easy. But I think if you have a couple of things lined up, you know, if you're going out there for the first time back out, I think it's really important to have like somebody on Friday to go have a coffee with or a drink with, somebody on Saturday, have brunch with. I've always said that to okay. to date like that. If you're seeing one person now and you're seeing somebody one week after another week, I just think you need to give some space in between things so you don't lose sight of yourself, right? We get right. very wrapped up and I, I've done it myself. We're all guilty of it, right? Just very wrapped up in that moment. And what if, and what if so, if I go here and then we move there and then we're in my parents and the holidays, you know, holidays are a big thing. There's a lot of pressure wrapped around holidays. Do I bring somebody home? Do I, do they meet the parents? What do we do with gifts? What about birthdays? So I think it's important to stay really present in where you are and be honest with yourself about it. And look at things, I call them pink flags. They're like the, the little <laughs> things that might not be perfect that we try to make perfect, yeah. you know, oftentimes as women. And, you know, say like, it's not that bad. But I think this is your honest time. This is the honest time of dating. It's so hard to be honest with yourself. And if you're it someone is. like me who wants to see the good in people, yeah. you like see that red flag and you kind of turn it pink because yeah. you're like, oh, 100%. This, this isn't that big of a deal. 100%. But I feel like... If you notice one red flag on the first date, it's probably best not to stick around to find out what the second one is. No, you, you don't, know? Want, you don't <laughs> want a whole collection you of them. Collection of red and flags. I think if you have people that know you well, I think that's always important to run by. They're they're right. a good you know, they're a good barometer of, mm-hmm. of who you are. Yeah. They've seen you through things. I have a best friend that I would just run everybody by. I, I, I said you're like my invisible, you know, wing woman. Like I kind of just yeah. t- I told her everything and she'd go, What are you? what are you doing? And I went, oh, you're right. Because you almost have to like kind of shake your head. You do. Yeah, you really do. Wake you up. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I think is important too is making sure that you are, you know, whether you're falling in love or liking the potential of somebody versus who the person actually is in the present moment. It is so hard because when you see somebody in front of you, like I said, you want to see the good in them. But then you start dating the version that you think they could be instead of the version that they currently are. So do you have any advice on how to not do that? You know, I think you have to be present. You have to be there and not be six weeks out or six months out or thinking you're going to change somebody. And that doesn't mean that people can't change Mm -hmm. if they decide they want to change. But if you think you're going into a relationship and there's I like everything, but, you know, 20% or 10% or two things. And you think you're going to change that just because you're with that person and you're so amazing. Like, that's not going to happen. You're not going to change that person unless that's what they decide they want to do. And so I, you know, I've I've been in those relationships before where I think like, well, just enough time. I'm going to be able to change (laughs) this. (laughs) And it never happens. And it actually gets worse is the truth. Yeah. And those things just get magnified. It is a hard truth, but, but wouldn't important. you rather have the hard truth ahead of time until you, so you're not so emotionally invested? 100%. Instead of two years or, you know, 
100%. a marriage or a, you yeah. know, engagement down the line. Yeah. And I feel like there's really two different approaches to dating or two different mindsets. You either are going into it and you're trying to find a real connection. Yes. Or you're just going to, you know, have some entertainment and some fun. And I think it's okay. I think sometimes people think, you know, that entertainment or that fun stage is like frowned upon because you don't want a relationship. You just want to have a good time. How can women not feel shame during that phase of just wanting to have a little bit of fun and not wanting a commitment? Yeah. You know, I went through that after you know, after my big breakup and before I, you know, I I met my current husband and I, I was really honest about it. Mm -hmm. And I said that, I said, I'm not looking for a relationship. I don't want to get married and I just want to have a good time. And yeah, it's not always, you know, it's not always looked at a a guy can say it. And most of the time they're like, "Ah, okay, it's a guy, but you know, I really was honest about it. And it wasn't that I wanted to, you know, be with, you know, seven different men mm-hmm. through the course of the week. But I really wanted to know who I was. And mm-hmm. and that's what was important to me. And I was honest about that. I was honest with myself about it first. And I really wasn't worried about what other people thought. And the people that didn't accept that weren't necessarily the people I needed in my life at that point. Yeah. The other thing you talk about a lot, too, is dating somebody through four seasons. And yes. I want you to expand <laughs> on your four season rule because I think yeah. it is so good. So tell everybody what your four season rule is. I mean, they're the four seasons. You know, yes. I, I really think you do need to have that time because if you think about it, whether you're uh, you know, in the summertime or you're in the holiday season or you go through a birthday, somebody gets a year older. I think you've got to have that time to know those people all mm-hmm. during different parts of your life. There's a lot of different iterations we go through, right? Whether it's a job change, whether it's a transition with parents, whether it's, you know, who knows what somebody, we go through all sorts of things in the course of a year. And I think that those are four seasons that are very, very important. And we do different things during those seasons, right? You're inside more in the wintertime mm-hmm. often, unless you're, you know, in a beautiful, sunny California. And, and I think you spend more time with them at certain seasons, less time in other seasons. You're busy in certain parts of the year. And I think you've got to see all those iterations of somebody. It, it's really important to me. Yeah. Something my dad has always told me too, is it's good to see the person that you you know are thinking about choosing as a partner in different situations. So yes. how are they when they're intoxicated? How are oh. they when they're stressed yeah. out? How are they when they get good news? Yes. How do they respond when they get bad news? And seeing how they respond, because obviously when you're dating early on, you're both putting your best foot forward. Sure. You're both having a good time. You're showing up as your best self. And so you're not really seeing that person in, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. those different situations. It's who they want you to see, right? When 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 you're first showing up. It's it's who we all all do it. It's not just that, you know, we all do it. Like, I want to be this person that they want to receive. But, you know, you are going to be a normal person if it's six months or a year or two years or five years. And you want to know who that is and not, not be surprised by it. Yeah. And then obviously as feelings start to develop and there's, I feel like there's this image that people have, like, do you find your soulmate or is this something that's developed over time? Yeah. What do you think? You know, it's it's always interesting to me because I look I look to my father again. He mm-hmm. um, had two incredible women in his life, and I would say both of them were soulmates at different at different times in his life. But you know, I and so I don't know that there's just that one soulmate, but I do think that that develops in time because right. I think that you're growing with somebody, right? I think you grow through different things, and so I I think it's important to keep your mind open to that and to understand what that really means. I mean, a soulmate means somebody that you really that that feels you in all different things and accepts you no matter what and that you're accepting them as well. And whatever the tough times are, it's not always going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It's not always. And if you can accept that and feel good, and I, I think we talked about it earlier, but you know, when I go home now to my husband, I'm excited to see him not dreading it, you know? And right. there's those relationships where you kind of feel like, oh gosh, you is work this? longer. So uh, you have I to go work home. longer. It's so, I bad. Drive. it's so bad. And like the worst <laughs> thing you could feel is lonely in a relationship, the worst. And but so, I think there's so many women that have that feeling, but they feel stuck. So what do you sure. do when you are 
with somebody, but you're still feeling alone, if you don't know how to exit, what yeah. do you recommend doing? It's hard, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard to be honest about that. And it's hard, especially if there's children involved. Right. It's hard if there's a lot of years that have been invested. And, and that's what I hear a lot from, from women, especially as they've, they've gotten older or they've changed jobs or just parts of their lives have changed a little bit. And they say like, I've been in this 10 years, like I've invested all this time. Yeah. But you know, my thought is this, like we're only around one time and today's your someday and you have to decide what you want that to look like. And that doesn't mean it's easy. It's mm -hmm. not an easy thing to do, but I think you have to be honest with yourself about what's acceptable. If I look back at you know my my relationships over time, there was one uh, that I had invested years in, but I knew I was working for it all the time, and mm -hmm. I knew that that person was never going to change, and it was just going to get worse as I got as it was longer. So as hard as it was to untwist everything, and my heart felt crushed, I knew it was the right thing to do for the long term for me. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things I've learned through my transition is you have to be comfortable getting uncomfortable. Yes. You know, yeah. I think I think knowing that you're not going to maybe feel great right away and accepting that as like this is not going to be easy. Yeah. Even just acknowledging that makes the process so much smoother because yeah. it's such a transition, especially when you go from spending you know, whether it's four years or 20 years with that person. I mean, your whole your whole life does change. Mm -hmm. It changes everything. No question at yeah. all. No question at all. I make, but it can be tough. It can be really tough to just get out of bed in the morning. In some cases, everything's a reminder. Mm -hmm. So it's not easy. And I never uh, I never think that that transition is something that can be taken lightly, no matter if it's what you want. You know, even if it's a transition you want, it's not an easy one to do. It's just right. not. One other question I had related to dating too, which I think is super important, but people struggle with is asking hard questions early on because oh, it yeah. makes everybody uncomfortable when yes. you have the serious conversations. And I think one that came up for me most frequently when I posted the poll on Instagram was financial personalities. And when do you have that conversation and how important is it to make sure that the person that you're choosing, you understand their spending habits and what role does that have in the relationship? Such a good question. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of the number one reasons people get divorced, you know, is yeah. the financial issues, mm -hmm. because that that is a part of you that you do have to put together. So even if you decide you're going to have these two separate accounts and you're going to you know deal with your money separately, at some point, things get put together, right? right? At some point, you're both paying for different things, or there can be a lot of resentment down the line. So I think you have to have that conversation pretty early on. I mean, it doesn't have to be the first date, <laughs> but, yeah. I, but I do think you have to have that conversation. And you watch that person too. You mm -hmm. you will see people's habits. It's not yeah. that difficult to see whether you're going to someone's house right. and looking at right. you know their behaviors or you kind of know what they're making versus how they're living. Mm -hmm. And those things don't change very often, which I have found. And that respect for money is a big, big deal. And if you are with somebody that does not respect that or understand it and uh, doesn't understand it and thinks like, It'll all work out in the end. I'll figure yeah. it out. You know, I, I'd be looking at that as a the red flag, breaker. not just yeah. a pink flag. <laughs> yeah. What would you say are your top three red flags to look out for on the first date? Sure. I mean, a financial, finances. if you yes. can, you know, if you can get that yeah. far, there's no question. I always look at how people treat somebody else. I never right. look at how they treat me because I think that how they treat you is what they want you to see. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really big deal. Just how they treat other people. And then I also think I, I always look at like reliability, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if they've texted when they say they're going to text, if they call when they say they're going to mm -hmm. call, how many, you know, if they change the date three different times to three different locations, like I think that that you know, you want consistency and you want somebody that you feel like you can trust. Trust is the most important thing we can have in another person. There's no question about it. Otherwise, you get into a relationship and then you spend all of your valuable time worrying about what that other person is doing. And that's it's not fair. It's the worst feeling. But it's, it's the hard worst because feeling. when you first meet somebody, I don't think trust is just given automatically. It's no. earned. 
has to be earned. It has to but be But you earned. also want to give people the benefit of the doubt. That's where time comes in. I know. Right? That's time where time comes friend. in. It's yeah. your best friend. It's time and trust. And those yeah. are the two things that you, you just can't, you can't take them away from each other. You have yeah. to give that. Because I always think this, if that person is not willing to give you time, and I've heard people, and, and I've, I've been myself, I've, I've dealt with this, is that somebody's in this rush and it's almost like they don't want you to see who they really are. Mm. And so if you're in it quickly, they're, you know, they can be whoever they want to be for a short amount of time. And so I think that that's why time is so important and, and you can't be rushed in those relationships. And if that person's going to leave, they're leaving anyway. Let them, yeah. You know, yeah, of course. <laughs> they're going to find somebody else that's willing to be on their timeline. It has to be on yours. And we all have our own timelines. Yeah, your dating advice is just absolutely incredible. It's come with years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like taking notes over here. I hope everybody else is taking notes too. The other thing I want to talk about is evolving through transitions. Both sure. you and I talked about you know, how much our lives are changing right now. Yeah. I know you're having a change in your career and transitions in health as well. So one of the things that we both have done is we've chosen to be really vulnerable about mm. our health online. You have so much insight that you share about the changes that come with menopause and you've helped so many women just feel like they're not alone. I just want you to start by explaining what menopause is for people who don't know about yeah. it and what that transition may look like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got taken by surprise with menopause. Honestly, I thought, well, that's someday that's going to happen. Not not to me anytime soon <laughs> right. until it did. But it's, it's you know, when, when you go 12 months without a period is mm -hmm. really what it is. And it's that one day after that 12 month period. But what I didn't know about was perimenopause. And that is the time leading up to menopause. And that's when we see a lot of these symptoms. And there's 34 plus symptoms. I say plus because I'm sure there's more than 34. But there are so many different symptoms we don't know that lead up to it. And it can happen young. You know, there are women that are in their 30s that go into menopause early. There are surgical medical menopause. But the perimenopause part, which is, the, you know, this time frame that can be years leading up to menopause is something that I never expected. And what can come along with that? Mood changes, the hot flashes that we all, you know, everyone kind of like us, right. oh, hot flashes. But joint pain, you know, inability to sleep, brain fog, tremendous brain fog that can really hurt your self-confidence. There can be itchy skin because you're you're dry. There can be a, a lack of libido. There's so many things that go along with that. And it's this transition, I think, in a woman's life that if they're not prepared for, I mean, it took me by storm. And I hear that with a lot of women. It takes them completely by surprise. And it can be really scary because you don't feel like yourself. It is a scary feeling. I can relate to some of those symptoms because they're similar to the symptoms that I had with PCOS and my sure. hormone imbalances. And I think it took me by storm because I wasn't educated. This wasn't a conversation that I was having with any of my friends or anything like that. And I think there's not a lot of research on women's hormones right. and how our bodies are so much more sensitive than than men's. And our bodies are constantly changing. I mean, mm -hmm. for me, you know, I feel like sometimes there's like two days out of the month that I actually feel good. It's like I, I get it. It's like <laughs> I'm either bloated or I'm tired one day. Yeah. I've got brain fog. I mean, I feel so much better now that I've learned how to prioritize my health. But I remember I would like there'd be two days out of the month that I would yeah. feel like myself. Yeah, that's not fair. Right? No, it's definitely not fair. But when I was chatting with my mom about menopause, particularly, yeah, I only knew about hot flashes. I just thought, yeah. oh, menopause is hot yeah. flashes. I'll get, I'll get a little hot and I'll be fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm cold all the time anyway, usually. Like, that's what I thought, too. And I didn't have my mom to talk to about mm -hmm. it. My mom died early and I... I just never, I don't know, it just was never on my radar. You know, breast cancer, I thought a lot about. I thought about a lot of different things. I never thought about menopause. And I never thought it was really going to be such a change for me either, you know. But it really did take me by surprise. And the brain fog was a big one for me and the lack of sleep. So Can the you lack explain of sleep, what, that, what that brain fog felt like initially? Yeah. When you are 
Well, first, you kind of just don't feel like yourself and you feel like you're on the outside looking in a little bit mm -hmm. if you've had that feeling before. But I think the biggest thing was not being able to remember, like I would lose words. Mm -hmm. And so I read the teleprompter for a living for a very long time, for 30 years I did news. And I would look at a word and it would be a word like, you know, cup. And I'd go, I don't know. I'm just going to skip that word. <laughs> I would literally skip oh the word. If you were listening close enough, you'd go, what did she just say? What was that <laughs> sentence? That made no sense. But it was it was really difficult for me. And it's and I've heard this conversation with a lot of women, though, and they would be in a boardroom presenting. They'd be taking an order. They would be having a conversation with their partner, talking to their kids, and they couldn't, re they, they were grasping for words and just not feeling like themselves. One of the other symptoms, rage, you know, mm. women would feel this unbelievable rage for no reason. And then the other one is mood swings and just feeling different. Uh, so that's why a lot of women in this time period are prescribed antidepressants, but nobody goes a step further and, and they might need those, but they don't go a step further and say, like, what is going on with your hormones? What's actually happening? Is your, is your estrogen, are you getting a depletion of estrogen, which causes so many of these symptoms? There are a lot of doctors that are not educated in terms of talking about this and they admit they're not because it's not really taught in medical school. They get a small, small amount of education in hours. And so I felt like it's it was incumbent upon me to learn. And then as somebody that shares information, mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to tell as many people as I can. Yeah. And so that's really how that started. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you started to educate yourself, because mm -hmm. like I said, this probably wasn't a conversation you were having at the doctor yet. So no. did you, were there any books that helped? You kind of learn about the process or were you just learning through self-experience? I, you know, I, I didn't even know when I, and when I went to the doctor after I'd had, I had an incident in the um, studio where I landed on the floor of the bathroom. I had, my heart was racing out of control. Oh I had a hot flash on the air. It was a commercial break. And so two of the guys helped me off and I went in the bathroom and laid down and I thought, what? happened to me? Like what just happened to me? And I went to the doctor the following Monday. It was a Friday night. I went to the doctor the following Monday. We did blood tests, all this. And I said, he's like, well, maybe anxiety on it. He got my test back. I, my, my hormone, like it was off the charts. Like oh, he's like, you're menopausal. Like how's this, is, this is where you are. And I thought like, what is that? And he had sent a um, note in my patient portal, like in menopause, any questions? That was the extent of the conversation I had. Any questions? Any questions in my portal? Like, you know, you log on, like there's a message from your doctor. And this is a, a doctor I'd been going to for years since I was in my, my 30s. How did it feel and when so, you read that? You know, it felt, uh, well, that felt awful, but it felt scary too, because mm -hmm. it was a big transition. And I thought, what, what is this? I can't be, it can't. Me? You have an what? Me. No, I plan, I'm exempt. I plan for things. Right? <laughs> no, I'm out of that. I crossed that off the list. I didn't check that box. So, but what, what it really did was make me go, what do I need to do now? Because I feel terrible. And I, I really did. I was the kind of person that would get into bed, my head would hit the pillow and I'd fall asleep. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to get up in the morning, work out at six o'clock in the morning, all energy. I was gaining weight. It was, it was just, everything was happening all at once. And I felt kind of just a shell of myself. And I've heard a lot of people say, like, I felt like I was going crazy. I didn't know what was going on with me, but that's what is happening during this time. So I started going down this path of research. Interviewing is what I know how to do best. And I said, I'm going to just talk to as many people as I can. And I was like, Googling menopause, menopause experts, mm -hmm. menopause, whatever I could do. I got as many books as I could on the topic. And at that point, there weren't very many, you know, there weren't very many. And they were more of a m medical books. You know, it wasn't, it was more like, here's what's happening. One, two, three, four, five. I remember thinking like, this is unbelievable. And then I started looking at some of the numbers and it said by the year 2025, there'll be 1 billion women in menopause. 
One billion. Wow. Six thousand go through go into menopause daily. And that doesn't I mean, we're talking about perimenopause. We're talking about women that are young. And so I thought I need to be a little more outspoken. But I was still too afraid to talk on Instagram because I thought everybody at work is going to be seeing this. And what's it going to like? Should I be talking about this? Is this going to affect my I don't know. I didn't know what people how people are going to mm. perceive this. This is a few years ago still. And so I went on TikTok and I named the 34 symptoms and just like kind of went through it. the list. And I, the response was unbelievable. And then women adding symptoms and at, like, I never knew that's what joint pain was. I never had, I, I I was going through this. I didn't know what it was called. And so then it gave me this, ener- I mean, you know that, you know, when you start seeing yeah. people that are responding and like giving you more information and then telling you what it is that they need. But the biggest thing that I got from everybody is thank you because I no longer feel alone. And that's what changed everything for me. That's the biggest thing. The biggest thing. I had a similar experience where I started to open up about my health and I was scared. It's scary talking about your health. It's something for me, obviously it's my my hormone health. So it's very personal. Mm -hmm. I was also worried what people were going to think. During this time I had gained, you know, 30 pounds. I was struggling with brain fog, fatigue. I was covered Mm -hmm. in cystic acne. I felt like a shell of myself. I literally felt like I looked in the mirror and it was like a stranger looking back at me. Not necessarily because of the physical changes. Like, yes, there were physical changes that had taken in place, but emotionally, my personality mm-hmm. had changed and I just felt so out of control mm-hmm. of my health. So I feel like, you know, although it's different, it's that similar experience. Very similar. In terms what you're describing is very similar. Not knowing what happened. And yeah. it felt like all my symptoms had hit at once. So I think mm-hmm. being able to be vulnerable about that and open up and know that there's so many other women that are going through it mm-hmm. truly just shows the power of like womanhood and coming together and being able to support each other. It does. And I also think there's so many different ages too that I see because I, you know, everybody comes into this at a different time in a different way. And so to have the education to know like, here's possibly what I could expect, possibly what I could expect in these years. And it could even be earlier than that. But that there's a way to thrive outside of that, because I really think it's important to always kind of say what's next with it. Not that we, I never want that to define women, you know, that we shouldn't be defined by what our health is. And I think it's really, really important to know that you come out even stronger, but you have to be educated in terms of what is going on and your your own advocate. And if you are not your own advocate, that is where things fall. Because if you go into a doctor's office and think they're going to give you all the solutions, you're going to come out with a little, you know, prescription and you're going to walk to the pharmacy and it's going to all be okay. I guess it's, that's not how it works. And I think lifestyle, and you know this so well from what you do day in and day out so successfully, is that lifestyle is a huge part of it. So if you want to get ahead of that, you have got to take some time for yourself and not think it's selfish. I want to go back to what you said about being your own advocate, because I think knowing what questions to ask when you're Mm -hmm. heading into your doctor's appointments is so important. What would you say is the best thing to have prepared whether it be questions about menopause yeah. or just your health in general before those appointments. Yeah, I think one thing is, and I and I actually put this list together because I'd had so many people asking mm-hmm. this, is a, a tracker okay. to kind of like track those symptoms. So we talk about the 34 and those are kind of the 34 main ones and you can add additional ones on there. But I think it's important to know like what those symptoms, what you're feeling, what they are. Because you get into a doctor's office, you have, I think the average appointment somewhere between like seven and 15 minutes. So short. Good luck. Remember, I can't remember, you know, I couldn't remember my <laughs> half the words that I would need. Yeah. So, you know, you really need to go in there armed and prepared for mm-hmm. what it is you're, you know, you're dealing with. So I think having that symptom tracker kind of filled out, maybe even if you do it for a month, I don't, I don't care, just so you've got that prepared. I think also making sure that 
the doctor feels comfortable talking about things like this and treating things like this. And you hope that they're, you know, I, I think most will be honest because it really is such a conversation right now. Are they comfortable talking about hormones? Are they comfortable uh, treating it? Are they comfortable talking about different lifestyle options for you? And if they're not comfortable, who else could you talk to? Because I think that if you go into if you go into a doctor's office and they say to you, suck it up, all women go through this, good luck. You know, women have been going through this for centuries. Those are all the answers that, that women get every day, even now, even as we speak. And that's not okay. It's not okay to feel like, oh gosh, something's wrong with me for asking those questions. That's the worst feeling. It is. It's it terrible. Is. I remember leaving doctor's appointments, obviously going in feeling pretty hopeless because of my symptoms. And I would mm -hmm. walk out feeling even worse because mm, yes. I would not have any hope. I would not have any sense of direction. Yeah. There was so much mystery around what a potential solution could be. So I think that's so important. Having those questions prepared, it filling is. out the tracker gives you a lot more peace while walking out of the appointment knowing that at least you came prepared with the information. Yeah. And I think it gives you control too mm -hmm. over yes. your you know, you want to you want to have control over that conversation. That doctor is there to be treating you. You're you're not lucky to be there. You know what I mean? Like they're they're lucky you're in there prepared. And that's how I look at it. And it's not how I used to look at it. I used to go in there and be like, can you help me? What is going on? Yeah. And now I realize that it is about you taking control. Of the situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you also started to mention changes in lifestyle. What are some changes that you made, whether it be in your day-to-day -day life or your workout routine or your nutrition that really helped navigate the change through menopause? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I talk a lot about but sleep is a big one. Mm -hmm. I had to start there because I was so foggy day-to-day -day getting up, getting up sluggish, not you know, hitting the alarm, not wanting to get out of bed. Like, that's not me. That wasn't me. So I really had to develop a sleep routine where it wasn't sitting there watching television mm -hmm. for hours before or thinking that I was going to be able to just hop into bed and go to sleep. Like, that's, we don't do that with anything else. You know, we don't, yeah. we don't do that with anything else. And for some reason we say to sleep, like, eh. I'll go to bed and I'll just, you know, I'll figure it out. So I figured out how to keep my room very dark, keep my room very cool. What I wear to bed is very important. There's real actionables that you need to do and and take the time to do it. So that's my sleep routine. And, okay. and, and it took time for me to put my phone down and not scroll through it and not have it there and not check it and not have my notifications on. So that all took a lot of time. And then when it came to eating, I really had to pay more attention to that too. You know, I what I could eat when I was much younger and what I could eat today were very, very different, you know, so I really focus on the whole foods and not the processed. I pay attention to what goes in, you know, to my body. I try to pay attention to inflammation because mm -hmm. that's a really big one for me. And I know how it affects me. Sugar, obviously, I cut down on that as much as I can in any way I can. And then with exercise and workout, I used to get on the treadmill and go for an hour and be like, okay, I burned off everything I ate today. And that was, you know, I'd have a pool of sweat under the, the treadmill at the end of, you know, at the end of the hour. And now I work out for two different reasons, one for my mind and one for strength training and strength training is huge for me. So I do it three days a week for sure with weights. That's what I do. And then uh, walking and yoga are the other two parts of it. Pilates when I can fit, fit that in. I feel like we have a very similar workout routine. Let's I do, do the exact same thing. We need to work out after this. We should. I love that. Yeah. Strength training is so important. And I feel it like is. setting your intention before you move, because mm -hmm. for me, after these doctor's appointments, some doctors would tell me, hey, look, if you have gained weight and they thought that my goal was weight loss, which was never right. my goal, no. I wanted no. to figure out how I could heal my symptoms. They would say consume less calories and increase, you know, your number of workouts, oh, yeah. right. burn more calories. Right. And it's it's not that simple. I, I wanted to feel energized after my workouts. I wanted to feel empowered. I didn't want to feel like I had to show up on a treadmill and mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. run off all my food right. in order to see results, you know? So and I that's think, what it was like for a, a long time, yeah. you know? And, it, and I, I actually... I don't know. I found that cardio always made me a lot hungrier. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I was like, oh gosh. So now I just did all this and now I'm starving. But I feel like strength training gives me some 
inner confidence too. And I don't, yeah. I don't know why. I mean, you know, it might just be, uh, you know, you know, how you're feeling after you do that workout. But I do feel like it gives me more confidence. But it's not something we talked about a long time. You know, like lifting weights. What do I have to do? I actually really enjoy it. I enjoy that workout because it feels very. I feel energized by the end of it, and I feel like accomplished by the end of Same. it. Same. I know we touched on this earlier, but I want to know something that you've learned about womanhood since opening up about your health online. Oh, gosh. You know, I think that the support that women give each other is really, that's confidence building. It really, really is. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. We talked about this. Mm -hmm. I was, I've just, like you, I was very scared to open up about this. Like, especially I'm wondering like, oh, gosh, is that going to be... I don't know. What are people going to think? And, and shame, too. Shame came along, you know, with that. But I found that support has been a beautiful thing. And I think that women want to do that with each other. They want to lift each other up. They really do. I, I know that there's, you know, social media can be toxic and you get the, you know, negative comment mm-hmm. here and there. But there's so many good ones to also focus on in oh that community gosh. and that feeling of knowing that, you know, somebody else feels less alone because of what you've chosen to yes. share and open, open up about is... It's life-changing. It is life-changing. It gave me that energy to, you know, stop doing a career that I've been doing for 30 years and really focus on women's health and advocacy for that. Because I I think it's just, it's so important and it's important for generationally, you know, that's why a lot of times when I talk, I try to talk to, what would my 30-year-old self want to hear, my 20-year-old self want to hear, but also make sure that I'm educating about these areas of health as well, because these areas are things that we can't overlook and we can't just wait until we feel terrible to start working on them. It has to be now. So we don't have two days a month where we don't feel good. Yeah, there's a quote that I always go back to, and it's make time for your wellness before you're forced to make time for your illness. Oh, so and it's true. It's so powerful because so a lot true. of us just wait until there's a problem. Yep. And we don't realize that we can be preventative. You know, this conversation is so important to me because now I'm more aware of, you know, the change that is to come. And now I know, you know, ways that I can prepare my body for it. Yeah, you don't want to be running to catch up with no. everything and then hoping yeah. you can fix it all at the same time, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I know we've talked about this transition in our health, and I want to talk yeah. more about two transitions in life in general. Yes. And how to navigate those, because I think whether it's changes in your career or for me moving to a new city, mm-hmm. how do you move forward with confidence in your decision? And because obviously making this big decision, is it can be scary and there's a yeah. lot of fear around it. So how do you move forward with confidence knowing that you've made the right decision? Yeah. You know what? I, I look, I think that there's so many ways we make mistakes in life. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just I just don't feel like anything is a big enough mistake. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like you're going to make a change in your career. You're going to make a change in, in where you're going to move and you're going to figure out a way to get through that. Like there's going to be a way to figure it out. And even if it's not perfect all at the same time, I think you've got to you've got to get through it day by day. I, I had a plan, you know, when I decided to to transition from my job. And I think if if you go forward with a plan and you know what your expectations are about that, that it's not gonna be everything's not gonna work out exactly the way you want it mm-hmm. a month from now. But if you look at what it's gonna look like three months from now, I, I think things have a way of working themselves out if that's what you really decide that you want to do. For me, my transition, you know, happened just last week. It was very scary. Very recent, yeah. yeah. And I signed off after 30 years of being a news anchor. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing? But I know, and I, even though I don't know exactly what that path looks like, I couldn't map it out for you perfectly. I know that I have that intention that it's the right path. And I think if you know that, you can move forward. And look, we can always pivot, right? We can can pivot away from something, right? So if you move to a new city and you realize that, you know, I love this about it, but maybe not this about it, you decide what direction you want to go in. You really do. But I think we have to live for today. Yeah, I think people often get stuck because when you have done something for so long, for example, for 30 years, and then let's say you, you know, have a newfound passion for something. What, what is it? What does it feel like to be able to make that change to know that you want to pursue something else? You know, it's funny. I, uh, if you'd have told me five years ago, I was going to do this, I'd have gone, 
Gracie, <laughs> you're no. crazy. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about, Gracie. No, no, no. <laughs> but I will say that I just felt something inside me just continuing to draw me. And it was it was the only thing I could talk about. And it was the only thing I could focus on that got me excited to get out of bed in the morning. And when that happens, you know you're in the right direction. And it was, and it's not like, oh, if you're doing work, you know, if you're doing something you love, you don't have to work a day in your life. It wasn't so much that. It mm -hmm. was really just that I felt like there were real there was intention and purpose in this half of my life. And I really want that. Like I I felt so good. And we've talked about the stories that we hear. I, I was reading these raw stories from women that mm -hmm. needed help. And I thought, like, I can't do this fast enough. I can't help them fast enough. And it just really feels like that's the right place for me. And so the day I signed off was very emotional. And it was, you know, because it's a long time, but I'm so excited. So today was really like my first day of this, which is so neat to be here. It like, is. you know, so it's just my first day so of this lucky. new beginning. Yeah. <laughs> to so be with you during with that phase. The first step <laughs> of this journey. But it's just really, I know it's the right, I know it's the right thing. And I know that those women in that community have told me it's the right thing. They've shown me you owe it to yourself to be bold. Mm -hmm. I think you owe it to yourself. And I think you also have to like, just be honest with yourself about what it is. Like, what do you want? There are four very scary words. Like, what do you want? And oftentimes we don't take that time. Going back to what we talked about right at the beginning mm -hmm. is being quiet with ourselves and figuring out what that really is. We know, we know, we know what brings us no joy. And we know what brings us joy. And, you know, it's led to you right to where you are. I mean, if you really think about, you know, I don't know how long ago you started the journey, but if you think about like that very moment where you started that journey mm -hmm. before any anybody saw you maybe yeah. online, but when you really started that journey to where you are today, you, I'm sure you couldn't imagine where you are today, but you knew what you wanted to get to eventually, the feeling you wanted. I knew the feeling. You exactly. knew the feeling. You couldn't map it out perfectly, but no. you knew the feeling. Yeah. I know the feeling. Yeah, so I think that's that's good advice to focus on yeah. that exact feeling yeah. and then, and then act is. on that it as is. opposed to the what ifs or work yourself up over the the fear of what could be. Of, of what could be because yeah. you can give yourself a thousand scenarios of how right. bad it's going to be. You could stop yourself at any turn. You can get yourself very, very stuck mm. in your own mind. Yeah. And, and we've, we've all seen people like that. We've all been like that at some point. But if you can allow yourself to just, you know, open up a little bit and create what what do I want? That's the question. Yeah. I had asked myself that for a long time because originally I was asking myself the question, now what? Like, now what am I supposed What's to be next? doing? Yeah. What's next? Now what am I supposed to be doing? And I think the question needs to be, what What do you want? And how right. do you want to feel? So you guys sent in a lot of questions for Tamsin, a lot of dating questions. So we're going to go through them. We're going to do a little rapid fire Great. session. I'm ready. She's got the best advice. So I hope that y'all are taking your notes. So we're going to start with, with question number one. What do I do if I'm single and I'm feeling really lonely? Oh, well you know what, know the difference between lonely and alone, because you might just be feeling like you're alone right now and that's okay. But I think you do what you would do with a partner. What would you do with a partner? Would you go out for a walk? Would you go out to a restaurant? Would you go to a movie? Would you go to a show? You know, would you just take some time for yourself walking around? I think that's what you need to do. And I think you need to also think about the fact that this, you might be with a partner one day very soon. Enjoy this time right now. Yeah. I think it's okay to be alone. It's okay. We, we we always kind of stigmatize that and think like it's not okay, but it is okay. How would you balance fitting in a new person while staying committed to wellness? Oh, that's good. That mm -hmm. has to come. The wellness has to come first. Mm -hmm. Listen, if you don't feel good, you're not going to be good for another person. So you have to prioritize that. I think it's important. It shouldn't be an either or. There's no question. What is the best way to meet someone when moving to a new town if I'm not on a dating app? Not on a dating app. Meet new people. That's what I say. I really think it's important. I think going out with whoever you can go out with, even if it's for friends, letting people know you're single, letting people know you're available, going to local places there. I think you've got to put yourself out there. And that's part of being bold. 
He hasn't called or texted me back in oh. a few weeks. What should I do? You have a whole book about I this, so I can't book. wait to hear. That's, there's like 200 pages on that. You know, if you've got somebody that's doing that, you need to move on. I'm sorry. Like, it's just like, that's not fair to you unless or, unless there's an illness or something. And I'm sure not. But if you're sitting there making excuses, like, I'm so busy at work. I, I know he had his family in town, so maybe that's why. That's not, that's not okay. Nobody's it's not okay. Busy. It's a waste of time. There's a lot of people out there. This one was really good. How do I tell the difference between high standards and unrealistic standards? Oh, I love that question. You know, high standards are something that you want to be able to have. You want high standards, high standards of how you're treated, how somebody respects you, how somebody values you. Those are high standards and you should have high standards. Unrealistic are things like, listen, I want him to be 6'4". I want him <laughs> to drive this kind of car. I want him to live in this kind of house. Dang and it, I want him to be... Well, not totally, but, you know, uh, no, it's okay. It can, no, that one can maybe go in between. But I just think that those unrealistic things are a list that is so perfect that, you know, you can't deviate from it. That's that's impossible to fix. What is a fun and unique date idea to spice things up? Ooh, to spice things up. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, I should. I said, let me think about this one. You know, I always think that things are sexy when you're when you're doing something that's kind of just outside of the framework of anything you would do, like movies okay. and Broadway shows and dinners. That's not so sexy. I think you've got to do something that's like a little adventurous. Okay. Maybe it's a little more physical. Maybe it's a physical thing. I think that that's a little sexier. I love that. Okay, we're going to end with that one. And if you guys have any other questions, Tamsin does videos where you'll answer these yeah. questions on your reels. So yeah. you can always submit any dating questions you want answered to her Instagram. But I just want to thank you so much for oh, coming you. on today. And one of the things that I appreciate about you so much is that in this space, there's a lot of fear mongering. There's a lot of pressure to do all the right things to feel a certain way with your health. And I love your approach. I love how much you encourage other women and you are making such a big impact in the space and you inspire me so, so much. So no. Thank you the for same everything way about you're you. doing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having uh, me. I'd want you to let everybody know where they can find you. So if you want to let them yeah. know your website, your Instagram handle, I know you have a podcast coming out yes. super soon. Yes. You can tell them about that. You've yes. got a book coming out next fall. Yeah. Where can people find you? We're excited. Uh, TamsonFidel.com is a website. Tamson Fidel, Instagram, TikTok, uh, and YouTube. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and hanging out with me today. You can catch a new episode of Wellness Her Way every Monday. I want to hear from you, so please subscribe, leave a review for this podcast, and let me know what you thought of this episode. Be sure to follow at Wellness Her Way Podcast on Instagram to connect with me and send in all the questions and topics you'd like to hear about. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this amazing community. I'll see you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.